We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NBA championship. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. It's game day. We've got Lakers versus Cavs tonight, 4:30 tip. I guess I should say this afternoon. One of those East Coast games. The Lakers on a four-game East Coast road trip. And that means, of course, that we're going to see some earlier tip time. So just be aware. Yes, it's a Saturday, but 4:30 game today for the Lakers. I'm going to break down the Lakers-Cavs matchup. We'll get to that in just a bit. The injury report as well. Some really important stuff on there. Before I get to that, though, I do want to talk about where this team sits currently. We are now 20% of the way done with the season. So what do we know about this Lakers squad? Before I get to that, though, quick reminder, if you haven't done so yet, please make sure you subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Don't forget to turn on notifications and you can check out our channel membership program, which offers some pretty cool perks, I think. And then over on the podcast side, a great way to help out the show is a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. All right, let's get into what the Lakers have done so far. Again, 20% of the season gone by. Where are things at right now? And I'm rounding up to get to 20%. 19.5% of the season, we want to be exact. Um, the numbers that I'm putting up on the screen for, for YouTube viewers, uh, podcast listeners, obviously you can't see this, but YouTube viewers, keep in mind that these numbers, I ran these numbers ahead of Friday night, last night's games. So these may be off just a little bit for the the Saturday crowd uh, that's watching this, but this gives us still a pretty good overall feel for where this Lakers team is at. So record is currently nine and seven. They are currently tied for seventh in the West. Um, again, that may shift depending on how Friday's games go, but right now, seventh in the West. So right now they are a play-in team, if that's the, the way we want to look at it. They would not be a proper playoff team at the moment. Uh, they would be a play-in team. Now, they, in terms of points per game, they rank 19th in the NBA. So clearly they're not putting up a lot of points, right? They're not, they're not terrible either, but 19th in the NBA. Field goal percentage, I mean, we talk all about their wayward shooting, Actually, they're pretty good there. They're fifth in the NBA in field goal percentage. The problem isn't there. No, the problem is actually in their three-point percentage. So you can have a great field goal percentage, but if you're trading two for three constantly, 
you're not shooting very many threes, you're not shooting very high percentage, well, that can be an issue. And indeed, three-point percentage, 26th in the NBA, the Lakers sitting, again, uh, not as good as we would hope in three-point percentage. That's an area that, I, you know, we had some high hopes that the Lakers maybe would settle somewhere between that, you know, 15 to 20 range, maybe in three-point percentage. And it's not a foregone conclusion that they won't. I think we've seen some kind of outlier shooting percentage like Gabe Vincent. I know he's hurt, but through four games, Gabe Vincent Vincent shot 7% from three. Torian Prince couldn't get it going in the month of November. Same thing with Christian Wood. But there have also been some players who have balanced that out a little bit. You look at LeBron James, um, who has shot very, very well from deep. You look at now, you finally, we've seen D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves get back on track after they started slow. So I do think they can rise higher than this. And we've seen just some outlier stuff in terms of poor shooting percentages but how much higher they're not like a top 10 team and not anywhere close to it they also rank 29th in the nba and just barely in three-point attempts so you're not hitting a high percentage of threes and you're not taking very many which i guess if you're not hitting a high percentage it's probably better that you don't take too many but again if you go up against a high percentage and high volume team well, that can be very, very problematic unless you are excellent in a lot of other areas. But free throw attempts, Lakers are getting better there. Not first like they were last season, but sixth right now in free throw attempts per game. Free throw percentage, 23rd. Got to do a better job knocking those down. Offensive rating, ouch, 25th in the NBA in offensive rating. That's what happens, though, when you're not getting a lot of points from three and you're not generating a lot of points from the free throw line. Right, Because, yes, the Lakers are getting there the sixth most of anyone in the NBA, but they're not knocking down enough of their free throws. So that's going to drag down your offensive rating, or it's not going to be as big of a boost to your offensive rating as it should be. So the offensive rating, ooh, ugly stuff, 25th in the NBA. Defensive rating, okay, that's what we're talking about. Ninth in the NBA in defensive rating, a top 10 defensive rating. Yeah, that'll get it done. Offensive rebound percentage, 25th. And frankly, I'm surprised it's even that high. This is not, they do not focus on offensive rebounds at all. You can see their strategy is to get back on defense and to not allow the other team to score in transition. That's that's a decision they've made that they would prefer to concede the offensive glass, um, not give up, not get that rebound, and have more guys committed to getting back. Now, they do have Anthony Davis, who can occasionally get an offensive board. Christian Wood can as well. And so that's probably what gets them uh, to 25th in offensive rebound percentage. But again, this is not a good offensive rebounding team, which becomes a little problematic when we get to what their opponents do there uh, in, in just a bit here. Now, defensive rebounding, 18th. 18th in defensive rebounding percentage, which again, may sound a little bit high considering the fact that they tend to give up a lot of offensive rebounds. They're one of the worst offensive rebounding teams in the NBA. Uh, and that is apparent when we get to the second chance points. But nonetheless, they actually do a decent job on the defensive glass in terms of, of controlling percentages. But they tend to get burned when they do give up an offensive rebound. So those really stick out to us because teams make them pay for those big time. Uh, turnover percentage ranks 21st. So they are turning the ball over uh, a bit too much there. Pace, 16th, having a fast pace or a slow pace, it's it's that's not necessarily good or bad. It just depends on what strategy you're employing. So the Lakers sit pretty middle of the pack there. Steals, 17th. 
blocks eighth in the NBA at one point uh, less than a week ago. They were first in blocks, but Anthony Davis has had a few low block games since then. And uh, let's face it, he's the guy racking up most of the blocks on the team. But eighth in fouls committed, they rank third. Darvin Ham, a big, big part of his defensive schemes is to defend without fouling. The Lakers are actually doing a really nice job of that. Again, ranking third in fouls committed, seventh in fouls drawn. So not quite like they were last season. And especially we've noticed Austin Reeves has not been as crafty as he was last year in terms of getting to the free throw line. And now they're missing Dennis Schroeder, who can get to the foul line quite a bit himself. But nonetheless, they still sit seventh in fouls drawn. So pretty solid there. But here it is. The big bad, uh-oh, opponent's second chance points. The Lakers rank 30th. 30th in the NBA in opponent's second chance points. Uh, they also rank currently, they are at 24th in offensive rebounds that their opponents get per game. So that is certainly part of that. But when opponents do get offensive rebounds, they are crushing the Lakers and they also have balls that get tipped out of bounds and don't wind up getting credited as a, as an offensive real things that happen but this team is getting destroyed on second chance scoring opportunities dead last in the NBA there that has got to get cleaned up sooner rather than later because that is when you add that into low three-point volume low three-point shooting and poor free throw shooting and then you add in that opponents are getting all these extra scoring opportunities and are making you pay for them? Well, that's not good. That's not good. Those are the biggest areas holding this team back. That's what the numbers are telling us right now. It's those things in addition to that putrid offensive rating. Uh, opponents' points in the paint, middle of the pack, 14th. Lakers doing a, a, a decent job. Their, their own points in the, in the paint, pretty good, 6th. Stands to, stands to reason, right? If you don't shoot a lot of threes... Well, you're probably going to be higher in points in the paint. And then the Lakers in second chance points, 30th, dead last. So think about that. The Lakers are 30th in second chance points, scored themselves. So they are not getting offensive rebounds. They're not getting extra scoring opportunities. And they're 30th in opponent's second chance points. So opponents score more second chance points against the Lakers than anybody else. And the Lakers score fewer second chance points themselves than anybody else. Add to that, that you're not shooting a high volume from three and you're not hitting a high percentage of those threes and you're not converting a high enough percentage of your free throws. Well, all of that sounds very doom and gloom, doesn't it? But I think there's an upside to this. There's a positive to this. There's a glasses half full. See, I look at all those things and I think, well, there's also opportunity for upside there. I mean, you have all of those things that are just anchors weighing this team down. And yet they're nine and seven. They've got a winning record. What does that tell you? I mean, that tells you that if you get some moderate improvement, moderate improvement in these areas, it could really take you to another level. It's impressive that they've got these things weighing them down. And yet they are nine and seven. That's that's pretty amazing, right? Imagine if this team's offensive rating goes up just a little bit, like they start hitting a few more free throws and their three-point percentage normalizes a little bit. Let's say in free throw percentage, they rank 18th, move up a few spots. Let's say in three-point percentage, they rank 20th, 
as some of these numbers start to come around over the course of a long season. Imagine what that does to your offensive rating. Let's say maybe you're 20th in offensive rating at that point. And you were 9-7. and seven, And you've had a chance, frankly, to be probably 11-5 and five right now. So that's when I look at this and I read through these numbers, man, it doesn't feel good. It's a lot of doom and gloom, isn't it? Doesn't sound good when you read through this stuff. Giving up all those second chance points, giving up all the offensive rebounds and all, all everything else in between. It's not good. And yet here they are. So that is the bright side of all of this. There's a lot that needs to be fixed, but they are also not that far away from springboarding into another tier. Because again, they're finding ways to win games despite these things holding them down. Imagine if you lighten that burden just a little bit. Imagine how much this team could take off. So that's where I look at things. Again, 9-7 and seven right now. You're coming up on a pivotal East Coast road trip. You're going to Cleveland. That game's happening today. That's not going to be easy. That's not going to be an easy game. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, you also get the Philadelphia 76ers. That's not going to be easy. You get the Detroit Pistons. Okay, they're not very good. You'd better win that game. You better win that game. And then you get the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, this road trip, if the Lakers come out of that road trip 2-2, two and two, I think I feel pretty good. I feel okay with it. And the reason for that is because of how difficult these teams are, of how tough this road trip is. Oklahoma City is playing some fantastic basketball, and the Lakers get them on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. We've seen what the second night of a back-to-back -back means for the Lakers. We saw it last game against Dallas. It ain't pretty. But the Lakers are playing the Thunder on the second night of a back-to-back -back with travel. They're coming from Detroit. So you better go in, beat up on Detroit, run the score up in that one if you have to, whatever it is, get the win. Because you know the next night's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one. So all I ask is that the Lakers split. You got to beat Detroit and then split. Philly and tonight's game against the Cavs. Win one of those. Win one of those. Go two and two on this road trip. Uh, picking up another win against Detroit. And again, you can't count your chickens before they're hatched in this league. If you no-show against any team, they will beat you. But that is still a game the Lakers should win. So two and two on this road trip. I think I'd be okay with that. And then, again, got to start making some headway here. Got to start hitting some of the threes. Do a little bit better at the free throw line. Got to cut down on the second chance scoring opportunities for your opponents. Start to build something. And then nine and seven, seventh in the West, they'll start moving up. They'll start moving up. But we got to see progress there. We absolutely have to see progress. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Lakers injury report. So the injury report came out. And we got some news. We got some some bad news. Rui Hachimura, uh, he is going to miss the entire road trip, all four games. He's going to be out uh, upon returning, which will be next Friday. Uh, he will get reevaluated. He is dealing with a nasal fracture. That's what the Lakers said. So a broken nose. Uh, happened during the game against the Mavs. And Rui is going to miss the entire week, and then he's going to get reevaluated. Now, my hope is that, assuming it takes place Friday, Saturday the Lakers have a game against the Houston Rockets, a home game. So my hope is that he comes back, gets reevaluated on Friday, green light, 
it's only a week that he'd be missing. I'm not like Jared Vanderbilt. I'm worried about, does he get his wind back? What does it take for his conditioning to get back to where he needs to go? Rui, a week, no big deal. I He'll probably have to wear a mask. Probably look pretty cool in that mask. And then Rui hopefully can play on uh, on Saturday against the Houston Rockets. If not, if he's not cleared to play when he gets reevaluated, it might be a little bit because Lakers go back out on the road right after that game against the Rockets. They go to Texas for three games, one against the Mavs, and then two in a row in San Antonio against the Spurs. Hello, Victor Wembanyama. So bad news there. Rui, it just, this Lakers team, they just can't seem to stay healthy at all. Everybody is constantly getting rotated out of the the lineup because of injuries. Every time players are coming back, they're gone. By the way, Jared Vanderbilt still listed as out for today's game against the Cavs. Not ready to go. Um, last we heard from Darvin Ham was that he needed uh, to go through contact portions of practice and that he had not done that yet. So it's it's got to be soon if he's doing everything but the contact portion of practice. But I was kind of hoping he would play uh, against the Cavs, that he would be back, he would have gotten through a contact practice and the Lakers would be ready to put him back out there. But apparently that is not where we're at at the moment. Remember, we have not seen Jared Vanderbilt since October 7th, was dealing with left heel bursitis. Now there was some footage that came out of him shooting threes and, and doing a workout and he looked really good. His shot looked actually looked pretty smooth, which uh, which was nice and gets me even more excited for him to, to come back and hopefully... That is sooner rather than later, but it's not going to happen today against the Cavs. But there is there is a shred of good news. I know. It feels like I've been beating you guys over the head so far with this bad news. Lakers are dead last in second chance points and dead last in second chance points given up. And uh, all of the offensive rating is 25th. And then Rui's hurt now. And Vanderbilt's not back. There is a little ray of sunshine here. His name's Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish. Uh, he... Yes, he can. He is questionable to play against the Cavs. We were worried that groin injury that he suffered the other day, worried that it was going to keep him out long-term. Uh, Lakers said, doctors said, said, nope, uh, this is not as bad as we were afraid it was. And uh, he's day-to-day. So he is officially listed on the team injury report as questionable. It's possible he plays against the Cavs today, which, whew, I mean... He's become such an important part of the Lakers' defense in their starting unit that um, it would it, it's going to matter, particularly with Rui Hachimura out. With Rui out this week, they're going to need to rely on Cam Reddish even more. So I sure hope, fingers crossed, there's no Vando, there's no Rui. Please, basketball gods, don't take Cam Reddish away from us as well. The Lakers did such a great job adding wing depth over the summer, but that has been sorely tested. We've had so many wings in and out of the rotation. Just got to hope that Cam can indeed go in this one. All right, let's talk a little bit about this matchup. So this is not this is not an easy matchup at all, at all. I've had some people say, "Well, it's the Cavs. They're not they're not really that great or anything like that. They're they're just an okay team, that sort of thing." And I get it, right? It's not like they're a the the Cavs are necessarily a powerhouse. They, their last game, they just got blown out by the Miami Heat, got their doors completely blown off. Um, from their injury side, Donovan Mitchell is questionable to play against the Lakers. Uh, he did not play against the Miami Heat, and we all know what happens when the Lakers come to town. 
players miraculously get better. So Donovan Mitchell, uh, again, questionable. We know it's going to happen. I bet he plays. I bet he plays. But this Cavs team, you know, the Lakers are pretty good scoring in the paint. They've usually got a size advantage there. The Cavs have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. They're a pretty big team. Um, I don't know how much of an advantage the Lakers are going to have there. And then Darius Garland, quick point guard that um, can light it up from deep. So that's going to be a challenge too, especially if Cam Reddish is not available. You're asking Austin Reeves or D'Angelo Russell to chase Darius Garland. I mean, we we saw, we know Jalen Huchifino. Technically, yeah, he's back, right? But he's yet to play, even though he's been cleared to play. And even in uh, the Lakers' most recent blowout win, even in that, he couldn't get on the floor. I'm talking about when the Lakers played the Jazz, the Lakers were up 30. That's, go put your rookies in. Let them get minutes. No, even in garbage time, Darvin Ham was subbing D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves in and out, tag teaming them in and out of the game. And that is, that's not a good sign for how ready Jalen Huchifino is not. So I would expect the Lakers are going to either be asking D'Lo or Austin to defend Darius Garland or Cam Reddish comes back and he gets that that challenge for decent chunks of the game. Now, Max Struess, some of the player the uh, Cavs picked up from the Heat, and unlike the the Lakers, apparent bad luck, Max Struess actually is performing. So <laughs> the Lakers, the Lakers get players from the Heat, and they get hurt. The Cavs get players from the Heat, and they play pretty well. Max Struess again, the starting two guard for Cleveland, shooting thirty eight percent from deep. Uh, 43% from the field, giving them almost six rebounds per game, 14 points and four assists as a clear locked-in starter playing 35 minutes a night. Boy, if only the Lakers could get that out of their players that they got from Miami. Of course, Gabe Vincent, heal up, heal up. I don't feel like what we've seen from Gabe Vincent so far was a real representation of who he is as a basketball player. I hope Gabe Vincent gets back sooner rather than later. I bet he gets reevaluated probably right around when Rui does, which will be is coming Friday. Um, it's a good team. This is a good, good team that is not going to be easy for the Lakers to, to deal with. I think that some of what's going to have to happen in tonight's game, if the Lakers are going to walk away with a win, it's going to be the LeBron in Cleveland energy. We've talked about this recently. You know, Matt, the optimist Peralta in our postgame show after the Lakers lost to the Mavs mentioned something that I've been talking about for a while that the the Lakers as a team tend to follow LeBron's lead. And that's been the case ever since LeBron arrived in LA. If LeBron has energy, if LeBron is everywhere on the floor, everybody else is too. Because how can you not be? LeBron's 38 years old. If he's making extra effort, no one else has any reason not to. However, when LeBron is low energy, which let's be honest here, he has every right to be. By no means am I trying to call out LeBron here. No, 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 no. This is... If LeBron has a low energy game, the rest of the team has to say, hey, we got you and pick it up. Instead, we see the rest of the team go, well, LeBron's not going. Okay, we're not going to go either. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. That's an issue. But what I'm hoping is that LeBron in Cleveland, right, he brings it a little more, right? Because it's in Cleveland that matters to him. Kind of like we saw LeBron in Miami. He turned it on in that game, almost got the Lakers a win. So LeBron in Cleveland, despite the fact that this is, I think, a difficult matchup for the Lakers, and they're going to be pretty shorthanded, no Rui Hachimura, no Jared Vanderbilt, no Gabe Vincent, I mean, my God, that's that's three of your top eight, nine players right there that are out. Um, and the Lakers have been dealing with that all season. If LeBron steps it up, I think a lot of other guys will. So that that is, I think, the biggest key for this game. It's that LeBron brings it. Because, again, I, I think the Lakers need to win one of these two. You need to either beat the Cavs or you need to beat the 76ers. And, frankly, I think you have a better chance of beating the Cavs than the Sixers, who have been playing really good basketball. And... So I think that the Lakers need a pumped-up LeBron back home in Cleveland to really do his thing and everybody else to follow along. That's what's going to need to happen. And then we get into all the other stuff. Of course, we know. It's the offensive glass. Can you keep the Cavs from punishing you with those second-chance points scoring opportunities? Can you do that? Evan Mobley, are you going to box him out? Jared Allen, are we going to box him out? What about the guys flying in from the wings? If Donovan Mitchell plays... Oof, well, that that's going to be tough. You're really going to need Cam Reddish if Donovan Mitchell plays. But Darius Garland, can you stay in front of him? Can you keep him to a 15 to 20 point night instead of blowing up for like a 30 point night or something like that? Those are going to be keys for the Lakers. And then, of course, they've got to knock down their own shots, take care of the basketball, and then you go from there. Again, we'll see what happens with Donovan Mitchell. My guess is he probably plays because that's just what tends to happen, right? When and the Lakers come to town, players suddenly get healthy. But nonetheless, this would be this could be an opportunity for the Lakers to get a win, despite the fact that they are shorthanded. So we'd love to see that. And they're going to have to battle. 
they're going to have to battle to get it done because, again, this four-game road trip, the Pistons are the only team that's you know, not as much of a threat. But again, the Pistons can beat the Lakers if the Lakers don't show up. This is a very difficult road trip. And you know when the Lakers come to town, the arena is packed. Fans are jammed in there. They're excited. And the Lakers have to play like it. The Lakers have to bring the proper level of energy and effort to all of these. All right, so that's Lakers-Cavs tonight. Not going to be an easy one. I'm just hoping the guys really show up and show out. But we do need to get into the mailbag. Um, have some questions and comments from fans that we've got coming in. So we'll get to that in just a moment. First, need to give a shout out to our sponsor. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, this time of year, the holiday season, um, it can be a lot. It can be a lot. It's natural to feel some kind of anxiety for it, right? You're you're talking to family, friends, relatives, all, all sorts of things that maybe you don't throughout the, the rest of the year. I've got, personally, I've got family coming into town for uh, for Christmas. I've got family coming into town. And on one hand, I've got time to prepare, but it, I'm... I'm already I'm anxious. I'm thinking about all the different stuff I need to do around the house, all the things that I have to get ready. How's what's the shopping list looking like? All all the sorts of things that come with that. And not everybody's holiday experience is the same. There are lots of different stressors that that people deal with. Um, but sometimes therapy can help when you're dealing with these kinds of of stress. Now, um, therapy is something that has, that's helped me. In the past, so when you're feeling particularly stressed, being able to, to talk through things can be a, a way, a very convenient and flexible way to help with, with that burden, with that anxiety, with that stress that can come with the holiday season. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's convenient, it's flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time with no additional charge. So find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lakers Nation today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Lakers Nation. BetterHelp.com slash Lakers Nation. All right, let's get into the mailbag. Let's take a look at some of the fan comments. You know, this was mostly coming from the post game uh, from Lakers Mavs, which was an unfortunate loss. We got snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Obviously, not what we wanted to see in that one. But uh, CJ said, "I'll be at that game." Talking about the Cavs game, uh, CJ, I sure hope you see a win. I think it's going to be an absolute battle that game is against the Cavs. Uh, today's game, face reality, is also going. Um, 30 minutes from Cleveland. I hope you guys are wearing your Lakers gear. Muhammad said, sometimes it feels like AD is a great number three, not a number two option. So I would actually agree with that on the offensive side of the ball. And I think it comes down to this. So Anthony Davis had, what was it? 10 points, something like that against, uh, against Dallas. I've tried to repress it at this point because that game did not go the way that we wanted it to, but Anthony Davis is a guy that you can count on consistently every single night. Yeah, 10 points for AD on 4 of 10 shooting. You can count on his defense every single night. 
you know he's going to bring it on that in the floor. But what you don't know if you can count on is him to score 20-plus points. And frankly, that's what the Lakers need. They need 20-plus points out of Anthony Davis every single night. That That's what you need. And you don't get that. You don't get that from them. And I don't look at that as, oh, that's this is all on... This is all on AD. It's not. I thought there were moments where the Lakers offense didn't look interested in trying to get the ball to Anthony Davis. And the Mavs defense, even without Derek Lively, was really set up to try to prevent the ball from getting to AD. Now, we've been talking about it since last year. You go all the way back to last year. The Lakers played the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors did a great job freezing out Anthony Davis. He had like nine points in a game or something like that. The Lakers won. But everybody in the league went, aha, we can do this. We can freeze out Anthony Davis. We can take his offense out of the game. And then we make the other guys have to score. And since then, this has been an issue where Anthony Davis, every once in a while, he'll have a game where he just isn't as involved offensively as he should be. And he winds up having nine points, 10 points, like 13 points, something like that. Anthony Davis having 10 shot attempts in this game. Rui Hachimura had more shots. Austin Reeves had more shots. D'Angelo Russell had more shots. LeBron James had more shots. Torian Prince had the same number of shots as Anthony Davis. That should never, like one of those things happening in any given game, sure. Austin goes on a heater and he shoots 14 times and AD shoots 13 or something like that. Okay, right, no, no problem, no problem. One of those guys shooting more, aside from LeBron, aside from LeBron, one of those other guys taking more shots than AD is okay. But that many, that tells you something's wrong with your offense. And the offensive rating sitting at 25th also tells you something's wrong with your offense. You have to get Anthony Davis more involved than that. Now, if you can't figure out a way to get him the ball when teams are doing what they can to freeze him out. I know the Lakers offense looks at it and says, you know what? They're going to try to stop us from going to AD. Cool. Austin's going to drop points for us. D'Lo's going to drop points for us. Rui Hachimura is going to do Whoever else is going to do These guys are going to step up. Okay. You still need to find ways to get him involved. You still need to get offensive production out of him. If you're going to go the other way, if you're going to just say, you know, Anthony Davis is simply a great number three offensive option. So he's a, he's a number one on defense, but he's a great number three offensive option. Then you better go get a number two on the offensive end. So that's it, really. If you're the Lakers right now, if you're Rob Palenka and you're looking at this team, you either you need to either fix this and make it so that Anthony Davis every single night is involved enough to score at least 20 points and whatever you have to scheme in order to get that done, in order to get him those opportunities. And look, if other teams double him in the post and he kicks out to open shooters and they can make teams pay, great, no problem. But you need to get him those opportunities. And if you can't, if you can't, then you better go find another scorer who can. And I, if that's DeMar DeRozan, if you want to pay the price to get Zach Levine and you want to understand what that's going to mean in terms of your depth and all that, if that's some if that's some other guy, you better go find that. Because again, right now, the Lakers' offensive rating, their production on that end of the floor tells you it's not good enough. It's not good enough. So again, 
Anthony Davis is one of the more productive scorers in the NBA. He's got a solid field goal percentage. The mid-range shot is slowly starting to come back around. The three-point shot is faded by the wayside, but this guy can still put the ball in the basket. So either you figure out a way to make sure that a bad night for him is like 16 points and not 10 points or 9 points, or, or you got to go get somebody else. That's what we have to find out over the next few months. Because we've been talking about this problem since the spring. We've been talking about this problem since that Raptors game. And it still hasn't been solved. There are nights where he's great, where he is dominant on the offensive end of the floor. Against Utah, 26 points. Against Houston, 27 points. Against Portland, 16 points. Eh, okay. Against Sacramento, good Lord, you're going up against Sabonis. Nine points on nine shots. Memphis, 19 points. Only played 27 minutes. They blew them out. Okay, no problem there. 30 points against Portland. 18 against Phoenix. Had a bad shooting night. 5-14 shoot. Nine against Miami on seven shots. Yikes. Only played 25 minutes. Remember, that was the game that he was injured, though. But still, nine points. Then you had 27 against the Clippers, 28 against Orlando, 26 against Orlando, 30 against Sacramento early in the season, 30 against the Suns, and then 17 against Denver, where he struggled scoring. I think you can find consistency. But you got to find ways to give them the ball because you can't have these this nine, nine, ten. Can't do that. Can't do that. So, again, find a solution. Make sure you get them enough looks. Make sure, and Anthony, part of that's on AD, certainly. Demand the ball or go find a number two scorer. Easier said than done, but they got to figure it out. Jared Chalker said Sean's right counter this episode. It can be Sean's go-to word. I have him too. Don't worry. Jay said this is my first in-person Laker game. Oh, rough one against the Mavs. Heartbreaker too. I mean, just a roller coaster of emotion. Despite the loss, I had a great time. Well, I'm glad you had a great time. Lakers all day, every day. But seeing Kyrie, Luca, Cook in real life was cool too. You know, there's something to be said for seeing these games in person. It gives you a greater understanding of how ridiculously talented these these athletes are. So, Jay, I'm glad that even though the Lakers lost, you still had a good time. Orlando said, Darvin Ham uh, should get master lock for not calling a timeout and Anthony Davis. You know, Darvin, I thought, explained it pretty well after the game against the Mavs that he, was, he didn't want the Mavs to have a chance to put in their best players, their best defensive players. Okay. There was a moment where I thought Darvin needed to call timeout but he let that develop for a couple of seconds and i thought the lakers wasted too much time to get a shot up in general I, you want to go quickly so that if you miss you can foul quickly or or you have more time to try to go for a steal when the other team's got the ball um gives you a little bit more time to play with the lakers did not go quickly on that final possession that they had against the, the mavs well the second to last possession they had against the mavs but it also what was the end Result. I'm not talking about LeBron's pass. Rewind a second before that. The Darvin not calling timeout wound up with the side cleared out and 
LeBron James with the ball being defended by Kyrie Irving. Like, yes, we can criticize Darwin for not calling the timeout. I thought a few seconds before that he should have. But then once everything kind of settled for a moment, suddenly the Lakers had exactly what they wanted. Like, if you were to draw it up, if you were to call timeout and say, what is our goal? What is our best case scenario? That's probably it. It's LeBron James with the ball, cleared out, and Kyrie Irving being the one defending him. That's what the Lakers got. And LeBron tried to force a pass to Anthony Davis that wasn't there. Now, he said he underthrew it, tried to, he made a quarterback analogy, but the Lakers got, you know, when we say he should have called timeout, yeah, you can make the argument, but they got the best possible situation and they just blew it. They just blew it. That's it. Mitch Thompson uh, said, QB has an amazing game and helped a comeback, but throws a pick at the very end straight to a safety. Who's at fault? No one is above accountability. Come on, bro. So he's he's talking about, um, you know, the, the quarterback analogy from LeBron. And that's not wrong, right? The Lakers don't come back without LeBron. But so he, this is part of kind of our sports media world, right? Where we tend to, just like we tend to be very, very polarizing when it comes to our opinions. Take any player, any player that gets talked about a lot, then you have to fall into one camp or another. This player is great or everyone else is crazy. This player is not good, right? That's that's where you're at. And then you have to vehemently argue your point. Whoever shouts the loudest wins. And every time your point is proven, if a player that you said is bad has a bad game or if a player you said is good had a good game, you need to take a victory lap and remind everybody, I said that guy is good. See, look, I said he was good. And, he, and look, he just played well. Where are all the haters at now? Right? Or the other way. I said this guy was bad. Where are all the, where are all the supporters right now? Where are all the people who said this guy was an all-star or all-NBA or whatever? SMH, right? That's, that's the current landscape that we see online. I think the same applies here when we're talking about assigning blame. Who's to blame? Is it this guy? Is it that guy? Is that guy? Right? You have to, this player is to blame and it's because of this, this, and this, right? And we have to just put it all in one spot. The problem with both of those things, the problem with the, this player is good, set in stone, and that's the camp I'm in versus this player is bad and that's the camp I'm in. It's almost like, politics the problem with that is it's not true it's not accurate players have good games players have bad games players are good at some facets of the game they're bad at other facets of the game are there some players who are really 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 good absolutely do they have flaws and shortcomings 100 so when we say no one is above accountability of course yeah if you want to look at it and say it's LeBron's fault, B, 
because he threw the pick at the end. Yeah, he messed up that play. No question. Are they there without LeBron? No. LeBron's not infallible. He's going to make mistakes. And like I just said, he blew it on that play. He took the opportunity that was in front of him and said, no, nah, I'm going to try and force a pass that's not there and then underthrew it. So what happened. He made the mistake. Did other guys make mistakes too? Uh-huh. number of players did. That's part of what got them in that situation. But I'm more interested in, rather than trying to prove any particular narrative, I'm more interested in finding out where does the truth lie? So is it all LeBron's fault? No. Is it partially LeBron's fault? Yes. Is a player just purely bad? No. Is a player just totally good? No. There's something in between. It takes nuance and it takes looking at, at things beyond just the surface level to see that. So that's that's the way I approach it and why sometimes I get frustrated when we see stuff that's just this player is to blame for this. It's like going back to the Russell Westbrook situation with the Lakers, saying it's all Russ's fault. No, it wasn't. It's also not not Russ's fault. Right? There was plenty of things to blame, though. Plenty of blame to go around. But also putting it on just one place, it's just not accurate. It's just not accurate. Renvam said, LeBron criticizes Reeves, but he missed two free throws in crunch time. He absolutely did. Yes, LeBron missed two free throws, too. We can talk about that. And always takes bad threes in crunch time. AD, then LeBron lost this game. Uh, again, uh, assigning blame. So I, I guess the question is this. like, Was LeBron criticizing Reeves? I I don't know if the word criticizing is, is the right word or not. Uh, he was getting on him. But was he right? Yes. Reeves, Reeves, Austin said after the game that he shouldn't have dug down into the paint on that Luka drive because he left Kyrie open for that three that ultimately won the game. Austin blew it. He made the mistake. And LeBron was telling him about it. So should we say, you know, because LeBron messed up, he shouldn't talk to Austin about Austin's mistakes? I, I think he should. I, I don't think... Like, is LeBron sitting there? LeBron misses two free throws. Austin blows it on a defensive possession. Should LeBron say, oh, well, I just missed two free throws, so I can't say anything to you? No, they're teammates. They're going to talk through things. Now, it did look like LeBron was upset with Austin in, in that moment. But still, I don't think we can look at this as the only person that's allowed to be critical is the person who's, who's not making mistakes on their own. LeBron made plenty of mistakes himself. And I'm sure he would... Admit that. Uh, Michael Anthony, why do the Lakers struggle getting AD the ball? If he isn't getting touches, he won't get it in a rhythm. Uh, then he's blamed for not playing well. Yeah, Again, when we talk about Anthony Davis's offense, when we talk about blame, some of it's on AD, some of it's on the coaching staff, some of it's on the players, not getting him the ball in the right spots. That's just part of it too. It's not all just Anthony Davis. Some of it's on him. Some of it's not. Desmond, AD needed to score more, and it wouldn't have been that close. Need AR on the floor instead of inbounding 
sub Hachimura for D'Lo on the last play. Uh, I mean, you want three-point shooting out of the floor, so I understand why uh, the Lakers had D'Lo out there. As far as Austin being the one inbounding the basketball, he's got he's got really good court vision, so I didn't have a problem with that. And actually, I thought the play was going to go back to Austin. Sometimes when you see a, a three-point threat inbounding the ball, you're drawing up something where the ball is going to go right back to them and they're going to get the shot. I was a little bit surprised that didn't happen, but just the decision of having Austin inbound, I didn't think was a terrible one. Patrick, with a huge vote of confidence for me, said if Trevor Lane is coaching this game, the Lakers win at the buzzer. Well, I hope so. I, I hope that would be the case. I I can't promise the Lakers would even be in position to win at the buzzer, though, if I was, if I was coaching. Seriously, though, when can this team get healthy? We need our guys out there. Man, and Patrick said that before the Rui Hachimura news came out. Yeah, I know. It's frustrating. It's frustrating for sure. Um, And then we've got Podheads said, AD, five games under 17 points already out of 14 games. Yep, we talked about that. Uh, again, if it's the Lakers have to, you've got to make a decision. Either we're going to solve this problem and we're going to make sure that we get him enough touches and AD is going to make the commitment that I'm going to get up enough shots to where I'm not scoring 10 points in a game anymore. Or you go find another scorer. Or maybe you put somebody else on the team in that role. If it's Rui, hey, Rui, we need 15 out of you every single night. And then you change some things there. But that's the way things look right now. And we'll see how that goes. Q Spades said, Braun can't always bail you out, hold AD accountable. Yeah, Again, when we're talking about who's to blame, some of it falls on AD, for sure. Some of it falls on LeBron at the end of the game. All of that, like, there's blame that needs to go around to everybody. Uh, Reagan Cow said, I think he wanted to show that he has no Robin. Who, LeBron? Want to show that he has no Robin? I don't know. I don't. I think I would need more clarification on that. Jerry said the Lakers are one of the worst at back-to-back teams. No chance in the playoffs. Well, fortunately, there are no back-to-backs in the playoffs. So, if you are a bad team when it comes to back-to-backs, which is kind of what we've seen so far, at least, at least, you don't have to worry about it in the playoffs. So there's that. But, but. Are, are you going to get the playoff seating that you want if you just can't get it together for back-to-back games? Okay, understandable. But anyway, it was a rough one against the Mavs. Now we've had a couple of days. We had a holiday in between. We had Thanksgiving. Can the Lakers bounce back tonight against the Cavs? I think, again, we'll see if Donovan Mitchell plays. But my hope is that the Lakers do bounce back in this one, find a way to get a win, start the road trip with a win, and again, it's a tough four-game trip. Cavs, Sixers, Pistons, Thunder. Thunder playing good basketball. Um, two and two, I'd be pretty happy with. Let's start it off with a win tonight against the Cavs. Lakers Nation, come join us over on Playback for that game. Playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. You come watch the game directly with us, hang out with us. It's a lot of fun. And uh, again, make sure you check out that join uh, button. So you can see our YouTube membership program, podcast listeners, five-star rating and review. It's a great way to help us out. Thank you, everybody, for joining the show. Till next time, see you and stay safe.